It was a busy day in the city. People moving about, more people than normal, more alive than normal, with the holiday just a few days away. People were pouring into the city for the celebration and remembrance. Excitement was everywhere. Talk of who would be there at this year's celebration was buzzing. There was a sense of expectation, even if they weren't quite sure what they were expecting. This year could be big. This year could be different. Did he really show up this year? Did he really ride in from the east on a donkey? Has God finally heard our prayers? Is this the year? Maybe this will be the beginning of a new beginning for our people. This was the scene in Jerusalem. The city was packed. And when I say packed, I mean it was packed. Generally, during uh, normal times, the city of Jerusalem had about 40,000 residents. But for Passover, they had 200,000 residents. And taking away the things that we know that are about to happen, and that city would still be pretty filled with anticipation. Then you add in the scene from our text today, and certainly the city would have been electrified with the excitement of possibilities, if not just flat-out curiosity. But that wasn't the only parade in Jerusalem. You see, Jesus entered from the east side, as the prophecy prophesied, as the scripture tells us. But there would have been another parade in Jerusalem. This would have been the one that they don't tell us about in the Bible, except for the fact that they do tell us that Pilate, the Roman prefect, was in the city. And for Pilate to come into the city, there would have been a parade. Pilate, being a direct representative of the imperial cult, would have entered the city with great fanfare. Most likely joined by several cohorts of soldiers, all marching in tight rows in a great military spectacle. It was a way to welcome this very, very important official, but it was also a show of strength. Jerusalem, as I talked about last week, was the heart of the Jewish faith. And by this time, unlike last week where we talked about how the temple had been destroyed, the temple had been rebuilt. It was again the center of the Jewish religious life, as, or at least as much as it could be under Roman control. And Jerusalem itself was still the revered city on the hill, the city of David. And at Passover, with all of the pilgrims in the city brought from so many other places, they were there to remember the exodus from Egypt, the freedom from captivity, remembering how they as a people escaped from oppression of a ruthless empire that would not let them go. And so with so many people gathered in one place, and with this theme of freedom on the minds of the people, outbreaks of insurrection had been known to boil over. And so Roman authorities would often set up camp in the city for the week of Passover. 
with the prefect there to oversee and remind the people of the power and authority of almighty Rome. Rome, the bringer of peace and prosperity to those who submitted, and destruction to those who dared question its authority. (coughs) And this is the city that Jesus enters into. This city that was alive with people and pilgrims, with Passover and the prefect. This city that was alive with apparently a few followers of Jesus as well. And so from one side enters the military parade with all of the might and power of that. And then comes Jesus entering from the east side as it was prophesied that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem from the east. And he rides in on a donkey. Okay, so think about this. When you think about Rome and the power of Rome, what are some of the symbols you think of? You think of the eagle, of course. I also tend to think of uh, great generals riding in on horses, or if not riding on the horse, being pulled by a chariot. Horses were seen as animals of great power great influence. You were you were a strong person with your horse. A donkey? Well, donkeys were used for working in the farm. The common people had donkeys. If you couldn't afford a horse, maybe you rode a donkey. And Jesus comes in on a donkey. Uh, one theologian, John Petty, put it this way. The counter-demonstration of Jesus came from the east, the opposite direction. Jesus comes to the city not in a powerful way, but in a ludicrously humble way, inciting not fear as in the Roman procession, but cheering crowds who clear his way and hail his presence. Sarcasm and irony are often the only mechanisms available for the oppressed to express themselves. The procession of Jesus creatively mocks the Roman procession. There was a clash of worlds that day in Jerusalem. Pilate marching in with his soldiers and his power and his authority. And Jesus, who you could say marched in with his own authority, but in a very different way, on a donkey, in a humble way. And unlike Pilate, comes in with the regular folks, leading the way, taking branches from the trees to create their own version of a red carpet, throwing their cloaks on the ground so that they might honor him. And here's Jesus, riding in on the donkey. conceive of that for a second. The other side of the city, Pilate comes in with cohorts of military, and Jesus comes in with the disciples in a dump. Which one of these would strike more authority figures to you? Well, clearly Pilate with his military strength and his Roman power. 
And yet Jesus, we know, was more than just another guy with a bunch of people who followed him. More than just a guy who had some nice things to say, some important things to teach us. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was God in the flesh, on earth, marching into Jerusalem, the city of God. He rides in on a job. Jesus was a funny guy. He was a very humble guy. He wasn't one that needed to flaunt his authority. He wasn't one that needed people to bow down at his feet. He wasn't one that demanded respect. But instead, he walks in to come to the people. He's meeting the people where they are. He's meeting them in the streets with their branches and their cloaks. And he's coming to bring a message of a new way. Now, the funny thing about all of this is what the people heard in that. Because we can't be entirely certain what Jesus intended for the imagery to be, though he seems to have set this up in advance, or at least a little bit set it up, and whether he just set up the donkey or the whole parade, this was something that he wanted to communicate something to the people. But what they got out of it was definitely not what happened. The people, in reacting to Jesus, started to shout, Hosanna! Hosanna! Which means, save us. What they saw in Jesus was that script, that uh, passage from what is in the Old Testament. That prophecy. They saw Jesus coming in as their warrior king. They saw one who was bringing them a new way and a new kingdom. And for them, they envisioned that meaning, our kingdom returned to us. The oppressive Rome is kicked out. Once again, the temple can be made clean. Once again, we can be made whole. Once again, we can be our people no longer having to pay tribute to Rome, no longer having to pay taxes to Herod, no longer having to be under the thumb of tax collectors who want everything and leave us with nothing. For the people in the streets that day saw something maybe a little different. They saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem to claim his rightful place on the throne of David. They saw Jesus riding in to challenge Pilate. And yet... I imagine most of us know that's not how the story went. This week that starts in such optimism, in such excitement. Well, it's like this. Palm Sunday is the glass half full. Woo, we're excited day. And then we get to Monday, Thursday, and it's kind of like, oh, maybe the glass is half empty. Things aren't looking so great. And then by the time we get to Good Friday, the glass is just broken. 
the mood is broken, the, everyone's expectations are broken. But at this point, the people are excited and anticipating what's about to happen because they think Jesus is about to bring back their kingdom. They think he's the savior they've been waiting for. Well, that part's not is, uh, correct, but they didn't quite understand what it meant. They didn't understand what Jesus was truly coming to save them from. They didn't understand what God's kingdom represented and that it wasn't about a piece of land or having power or even having their own true king. It was about God and God's vision for the world. God calling us to love one another, to love God and love ourselves. That is the vision of the kingdom of God Jesus had been trying to teach them. But they missed it. Now, we've been on a journey for the last 34 days, not including Sundays, and we have six more to go. Six more days in this 40-day journey. We've nearly crossed the finish line. Maybe if you've given something up, if you've been fasting something or taking something on for this Lenten season, you can see the finish line. Easter Sunday means no longer do you have to be vegan or do the Daniel fast or get up early every morning to make sure you have time to read the Bible or not eat chocolate or sweets or whatever it is. And maybe you see that finish line. think I'm almost done. Except what we know about this Lenten journey is while the whole entire experience is important, this last week is when the most stuff happens. We've got a whole schedule of things that will be going on to remind us of those things. This is the week when it's most active. Monday, Thursday, when we remember Jesus instituting the holy meal that we call communion. Teaching us to wash one another in a way of saying we are to serve one another. And to say that even Jesus came to serve others. So none is above anyone else. Good Friday. The day of crucifixion. Today we remember how Jesus was betrayed and arrested and beaten and hung on a cross and left to die. Good Friday is actually one of my uh, favorites, not the right word for it, but it's one of those days that has the most spiritual meaning for me because I like to sit in that knowing that Jesus is dead and we're waiting for Jesus to rise. To remember that feeling of what is it like without Jesus? What would it feel like to have everything gone? And so we sit in that for, so we say three days, but it's really on the third day, about 48 hours. Until sunrise on Easter morning when we celebrate at the first light of Easter, the resurrection. There's so much more left in our Easter journey, or in our Lenten journey in just this little week. And maybe you thought you knew what you were headed to. 
I've been talking all Lenten season about this holy reset that is Easter. Maybe you thought you had reached uh, or had an idea what that uh, reset looked like for you. Maybe you knew the places in your own life where you needed reset. Well, just remember this. On the day that Jesus entered, people knew what he was there for. Except it didn't quite turn out that way. Jesus wasn't entering the city to confront Pilate, and especially not uh, Pilate's military power. Just a few days later, he would tell tell Peter, people who live by the sword die by the sword. When Peter takes him a sword to one of the soldiers who come to arrest Jesus. Jesus was more or less disinterested in the empire in the sense of overthrowing it. His only interest in the empire was in the ways it oppressed people, it hurt people, it made people's lives more difficult, it dehumanized people. That was Jesus' concern with the empire. Remember this. Part of the message of Palm Sunday is that oftentimes Jesus doesn't live up to our expectations. But that's because our expectations are normally formed around not fully understanding God's intentions. I mean, even the disciples, even though they have been told had been foretold to them that Jesus would die. Even the disciples didn't fully understand when Jesus entered the city that day what was about to happen. You can imagine them just waving. Yes, well, Jesus. I'm a disciple. Jesus riding in on the donkey in humility and humbleness. journey's not over yet. Our reset is not quite here. And so I want to invite you as you enter into this last week of Lent, this last week, this most active and holy week, to enter into it with an understanding that maybe what you thought you were expecting out of Easter this year isn't what you're going to do. Maybe the reset that you need is not the one that is coming your way. Maybe it's the one that God has created just for you in love and grace. Be open to God. Let's follow it through to the hill on Good Friday. And let's wake up on Easter morning and see what God is ready to do in us. Amen.